Welcome to the J-Pod, where everyone has a story. So there's a St Kilda Past Players Association. They actually changed their constitution so that I am actually officially a past player of the St Kilda Football Club. I was of use to them because I would like host functions for them and talk about them on air and all that sort of stuff. But it was just a beautiful relationship. To this day, they're all they're still friends. The J-Pod, brought to you by J-Man. 1-800-J-MAN. Inspiring people to live the life they choose. Hi, Coach here. This episode of the J-Pod, it's part two of our chat with Melbourne radio legend Dee Dee, or to her mum, Mrs Dunleavy, Diane. Speaking of her mum, we pick up the conversation where Dee Dee tells us more about what sort of influence that she had on her life. My mother has always done a lot of work with the disabled. She used to go and volunteer at a place called Bayala down in Mornington. I don't know if it's still there, but um, when I was a young journo working in Mornington, I used to write stories on them. So Bayala was a centre where people who had a disabled child could bring the child and just have a little bit of time for themselves. So it was just like a minding centre. And my mum worked there, but she mum just... She didn't see the disabilities. She just didn't see them. And these children would be part of my life as well when I was young. And I'd forgotten, actually, but I was thinking about Mum the other day, and she used to take me to go, and there was a little girl who had cerebral palsy, and this would be, gosh, 30, 40 years ago, probably more, actually. And I think this therapy was probably new at the time, but it was like a physical therapy. So Mum and I would go, and I would help with this little girl, and we would lay her on the table, and you would put her through sort of physical motion and move her head back and forth and it was a little bit confronting for me as a young girl I think I may have only been like 10 or 11 um, you know to hold this little girl's head and she would drool as we moved her head and stuff and when you're a little kid you know that's like as a grown-up you don't care you're used to wiping kids bottoms and stuff like that but as a kid it was a little confronting but mum just would go okay you're holding her head today you're doing it was just accepted and so I think I get that thing of just accepting everyone and I really don't mean to sound like that person who's going oh we're all equal you know because everyone knows that they're looking at other people and judging them but I honestly am that person I don't see what's missing or you know I remember mum one day as she was minding one of the little boys from Biala Mikey was his name I don't know if he's a grown-up now, but if it is, hi, Mikey. And she wheeled him up. I was at a, a fair of some sort, and Mum wheeled Mikey up. And she's just talking quite normally like anyone else. People were all stopping and looking at Mikey because he had some sort of a problem with his skull, like a large section of his skull down the middle was missing. So his face did, did not look like the average human face. People were stopping and looking at him, but Mum just didn't see it she couldn't she just had brought Mikey to the fair and everything was normal and let's get on with it that was what she had and um, bless her that's what I've got from her does that then upset you that sometimes you've been judged because of what you've said or done on the radio well that's an interesting comparison isn't it Um, it upsets me if people don't argue the argument if they throw something at me that is to do with yeah you've actually you've hit on something there if they throw back at me oh you're just a dumb blonde or because you're you know a stupid woman if it's if their argument has got to do with 
something about the way I look or I am or occasionally it'll be oh well what would you know you've got a big house well yes I've got a big house because I paid peanuts for it because it was raining inside Um, but if they judge me on something that isn't what I'm talking about if they're judging me on what I have or my appearance then I object to that I hate that and if it's on Twitter (laughs) I mute them I mute them (laughs) I have to admit, I've known you for a long, long time. You've always been very tolerant of both sides of the story, male and female. Am I correct in saying that? Well, it's not just male or female, but politically as well. So I probably drive people mad. And it's something I have to get better at is having a firm opinion and sticking to that and arguing that. And I would say that's my weakness, is that I am very much Mrs middle ground so I do, you're right I'm not judging whether it's a male or a female involved or whether you know what side of politics or how much money they've got um, but I need to get stronger at being judge it's part of the job you have to be judgmental you have to maybe am I putting that wrongly but maybe it's just you have to have you have to make a judgment in order to have an opinion and that's something I'm learning and getting better at um but I think my greatest weakness is that I'm very easily swayed over to someone else's point of view so I I'm getting better at that so it's like it's a it's a weakness but then it's not because it means my ears are open I'm listening but I also, I think people like to hear on the radio, they like someone who is firm, has an opinion and will stick by it and argue it. So, yeah, I'm a work in progress in that respect. And and you're consistent. That's the main thing because I was watching a Monty Python special the other day. You're the female version of Michael Palin. Everybody loved Michael Palin. He was the one that everybody wanted to work with. And that's exactly the same with you. Everybody wanted to work with you. There's nothing wrong with having that sort of personality. But it is the danger as well because, yes, it is. And and I don't know if it's just me or or if it's everyone, but... We do all want to be liked, and so that's probably a big part of it. Is that my? Uh, it's fear, a fear of of expressing a strong opinion, is making a lot of people angry and making a lot of people not like me. But what I have learned is that you can express an opinion, and people can be really angry with that opinion and strongly disagree with you, but they don't actually dislike you, and. Uh, they, they still will come back the next day to hear what you've got to say and they respect that you argued for what you believed in. So that's it, it, not all the time, but that does happen and um, I've learnt that, yeah, I, and so I do. But, yeah, I do still fall back into that position of, oh, I don't want anyone to not like me today. <laughs> but the, the, it, they won't necessarily. They won't leave you forever. And, and I think I love it best when someone will say, well, I didn't like it when you said this, but, you know, and the, but they're still there listening and they're still, you know, engaging with me. So it means they haven't walked away from me forever because I said something that they didn't agree with. Well, after many years in radio, I realised a long time ago, you just can't please everyone. This is the J-Pod with Coach and Dee from Melbourne's number one radio station, 3AW. After the break, we talk about one of her great loves other than her family. J-Man inspires and supports NDIS participants to live their best lives and promotes experiences for people with a disability. The NDIS can be confusing. 
So if you're thinking about applying for funding or not sure how your plan actually works, J-Man can help and guide you through every step of the process at no cost to you. jman.com.au That's J-A-E-M-A-N.com.au Now is the time to get the most out of your NDIS. Call us for a free consultation. 1-800-J-MAN This is the J-Pod with Coach and Didi. One of the things that you get used to when you're paid to give opinions is the backlash that can at times be vicious. In this part of the conversation, we speak about being true to yourself, even though at times you have to walk a very fine line. I carefully consider what I'm going to say, but at the same time, I don't want to be, I don't want to do that. I don't want to censor myself too much. I can't afford to do that. I have to, on air, just react as I, I can't be thinking, oh, what's Twitter going to say about this? Oh, what are the angry mob going to say? Who's going to think? I have to just say what I think um, because if you're inauthentic, people can hear that a mile off, especially here in Australia. Like, people have great bullshit meters. So I can't afford to censor myself. I do still just say what comes into my head, um, but hopefully I've got a little bit smarter. I know, other than your family, one of the greatest loves in your life is a football team. St Kilda football team here in Melbourne. Let me just tell you a quick story of how I knew very early on not to mess with DD because doing the sport, I'd come in and give opinions and that was my job. And I can remember I, I, I walked in and I said something about St Kilda and I think I was probably right. I said, oh, gee, they were pretty bad on the weekend or whatever. But Grubby looked at me as if to say you're in big trouble, you've opened up a can of worms and you just gave it to me. You probably don't remember what you said and neither do I, but I can remember you just, you rattled off all the facts and figures and how the umpires got it wrong. Where's that passion come from? I don't know actually because my family didn't follow footy. We're an English family. Like I I didn't follow footy until uh, probably primary school. I had a teacher who barracked for St Kilda and she used to tell me about cowboy (laughs) and I thought it was a real cowboy. (laughs) So I was hooked from then. Um, Gosh, did I give you a copy, give you an earful? Well, you'd probably deserved it. Um, I don't know where that comes from. I just, I love my football team. I love them. But it's like I said earlier, we all have to have a tribe. You know, that's my tribe. Right, because when we're sitting in there and you tell me some stories, which of course, as I said, you and I shared some stories that I'm pretty sure you probably haven't even told Grubby. And I, and I haven't told anyone else. I think, wow, that happened. And you've, you were so involved with this club. Is that still the case? More so in those days. So that was probably around the time Tony Lockett was playing and Stewie Lowe and, and, Danny Frawley, bless his soul, um, that the club because I would host a lot of functions for them, and I was kind of in, I was kind of a, a player without being a player, and I'll tell you how much this was the case. And so, my husband Kira and I would go after the games, we'd go and eat dinner with the players and all that sort of stuff. And um, so, there's a St Kilda Past Players Association. They actually changed their constitution, no. so yes, so that I am actually officially a past player of the St Kilda Football Club and I love them I love I love it's the club but it's that it's that group of players you know they they included me I was of use to them because I would like host functions for them and talk about them on air and all that sort of stuff but it was just a beautiful relationship you know and I, to this day they're all they're still friends and and um it was really lovely as the sadness of going to Danny for all his funeral but also seeing 
a lot of those past players who I hadn't seen for a long time seeing them there. There's still this bond there. There's still this – it was a moment, you know. We shared a moment and a time and a little era, you know, all of that. And even Plugger was there, you know. It was just it was just a little magical time for me and, and that's probably where the, the passion comes from. And But even though it's a whole new crop of players, I still love them just as much. Well, we can't go by without mentioning Danny. Did you see any signs? Did you know that he was, what he was going through? Um, I hadn't seen Danny – for a long time, but I, sorry, it's really hard. Um, so he, um, his wife Anita is a good friend. I hadn't seen Danny personally for a long time, but back going back to when he was, um, coach at Richmond. Take your time, take your time. No, 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 it's okay. Because it's, it's not about me. It's about him. But I, I, um, and, and I don't even really want to talk about what happened, but I'd gone to interview him for something when he was coach at Richmond, and, and we were good friends, and he, I was aware then of the pressure that was on him because he wasn't himself to me, and it really hurt me, and, and, and I never quite got over it, and I feel really bad. The reason I'm getting upset is because... Um, when he was no longer coach of Richmond and we saw each other and, and I went him, not nastily, but I kind of went, Danny, you were, you were mean to me. That was not you. What were you doing? And I can remember him grabbing me by the shoulders. You know, you give someone a shoulder. You can picture Danny for all they're doing that. Um, you know, come on, you're right, you're okay, come on, it's me, I'm okay. And and we talked about it a bit and he said, yeah, look, you know, it was under enormous pressure then and I've heard Anita talk about it. But... I feel bad that I was cross with him over something that was just a stupid little moment. He just let me down on something. He, mm. he let me down one particular day. It was just a moment. It was just nothing in the scheme of things. Um, but it was just me being a sook because Danny was my friend and I couldn't understand why he had let me down. Well, he was the coach of a football club. Like, of course, he had other more important things to do. But um, it was more that looking back now the pressure of that, what he dealt with then, and also now knowing that Danny had other struggles in his life, I feel awful that I might have added to that by by saying to him, you know, by like, and it was done in a friendly way, but like saying to him, oh, Danny, what did you do that to me for? Um, but the last time I saw him was a happy moment. It was um, not a happy moment. St Kilda, I think, had missed out on... Uh, might have been one of the losing grand finals. And it was an after function. And, and Danny arrived with his daughter, Chelsea. And uh, I'm not sure why, but he parked Chelsea at the table with me. And we had a little chat. And she a, was a grown young woman by that stage. But, um, you know, it was all happy and smiles again. And, and um, gosh... What a wonderful, wonderful man. But no, I, I can't say that I ever knew during his lifetime, apart from in his later years, hearing about what was happening and hearing that he was struggling. Um, I didn't know in my interactions with him what he was ever going through. It was a, a sad day when Danny left us. More of that chat about Danny Frawley as we wrap up our conversation with Dee That's next on The J-Pod. J-Man inspires and supports NDIS participants to live their best lives. We do tap dancing together, which is a lot of fun. 
she's just so understanding of mental illness and I feel like I can tell her anything and that she won't judge me. Now is the time to get J-Man active. Increased my self-esteem and self-worth and has just made me feel so much better about myself. jman.com.au That's j-a-e-m-a-n.com.au This is the J-Pod. Now before the break, uh, Didi was talking about her great mate, Danny Frawley. We pick up the conversation where she reminisces about how much of a fun-loving guy Danny was. The tragic irony of it is Danny brought so much joy and so much, you know, I've got a funny thing that he wrote for, um, I can't think if it was for my 40th or my husband's 40th, but he wrote a, um, a lovely thing. I got all our friends, it must have been for Kieran's, um, I got all our friends to write a thing about, you know, their memories of Kieran and meeting him and Danny's story that he wrote, and it's in his scrawly old handwriting, it was about the first time that Kieran and I met him. Um, he had jumped into it. Was, it was after a thing at Moorabbin, after a game, and we were in a taxi and Danny and Anita jumped in. I can't think why. And anyway, it all culminated in this taxi stopping in the middle of the Nepean Highway, sorry, um, and jumping out and flushing what Danny, Danny termed the bungaree brown eye. <laughs> <laughs> Within Cooey of the football club, so anyone could have seen, you know, the captain of the club, Dax Down. Um, and it just, that was Danny. Danny was always making people laugh, making people happy, you know, and if only we'd known, if only, I don't think there's anything anyone could have done to help him. I think, um, you know, there's so much more research has to be done into brain injuries in sport. I wonder now what, how that contributed to his head knocks during the game. But, um, he was put on this earth to make people happy and he did that, but then he made us all sad in the end, didn't he? I know you say you're not an expert. Nobody's an expert on mental health or, or physical disability. But for people listening that are struggling and for somebody like you that has a profile, they listen to people like you. You know, they do. They listen to people on the radio. They, they, they listen to people on the TV. In, your, in the simplest of terms and, and, and the experience you've had with people like Danny and, and uh, other people like this lady you said that had autism, what do you say to those people now? What do they do? Well, I, th- I think there's two things. I think, one, you've got to know that human beings want to help each other. You only have to look at how people have behaved this year when everyone has gone through a big struggle together. The number of stories of people reaching out, doing little acts of kindness, big acts for each other, that there's always someone who will help you. So don't ever be afraid to ask for help. And don't ever be shy to admit that there's something wrong, you know, and I wish that Danny had done that. I wish Danny had let us know. I don't know what we could have done to help him, but I just think, know that there's always someone who wants to help you. And you only have to think of your own feelings. You probably, if someone asked you for help, what would you do? You would help them. And so... And there just seems to be this idea that somehow you're weak or you're admitting your failure if you need to ask someone to help you with something or that you're not coping or that you think there might be something wrong with you. Don't don't hesitate because life can be really short. Like, sort it out now. Ask someone for help now. Put your hand up. Don't be afraid to talk because that's usually the way you can sort things out. Just talk to someone. Last question. Do you live in the moment? Mindfulness? is, is As you've gotten older, have you learned to do that? No, my dad's really good at that. My mum has Alzheimer's, which has been another thing I've been dealing with this year. Dad um, does a lot of mindfulness. And um, no, I'm terrible. I live in the next moment. And it's 
one of my other great failings is that I'm always thinking about what's the next thing I'm doing. I don't stop and enjoy where I am or what I'm doing at that time, but I'll learn, Coach. Thank you. She call me coach. Uh, I know you're going to go and pick your daughter up. Thank you so much for the for the chat. It's been fun. Can we get you back again some other time and, and maybe in series two or three? Absolutely. I would love to. It's been lovely talking to you, old friend. Yes, it was great to talk to an old mate, Diane Dede Dunleavy, who I managed to have a chat with late last year, just as the COVID restrictions were starting to ease. She's one person that I have missed uh, during the last 12 months, these crazy 12 months and someone who I definitely intend to spend more time with. Now, two people who I have spent quite a considerable amount of time with uh, over the last year or so is Catherine Carmody, or Cat to her mates, and Victor Tran. They live at the Haven in Melbourne in a suburb called South Yarra. And for those who don't know, South Yarra probably famous for its shopping strip, Chapel Street. Now, in our first episode of the J-Pod, we featured Professor Alan Fells, who helped create the Haven for people with schizophrenia. Here's a snippet from Cat talking about how she felt when she first found out about her illness. When I first realised I had schizophrenia, um, I researched the illness before I got the symptoms. So when I got the symptoms, I was like, oh, shit, you know. How did you know to research? Well, I was doing a project in psychology in year 11 and we had to pick a mental illness and I picked schizophrenia because I was really interested in it because my uncle had schizophrenia. Was there any particular moment in time that you realised you had schizophrenia or was it a slow build-up? It was a slow build-up of psychotic symptoms, I think. I think being paranoid was one of them and then slowly I deteriorated and then I started hearing voices and I thought something's going wrong. Out of the blue just you started to hear voices? Um, yeah, I did, but I think there was other symptoms leading up to the voices that I was worried about. But was there something that triggered that? Yes. Um, I got brutally bashed up in year 11 by a girl and I think that really triggered me to get very depressed and anxious and alone and I'm pretty sure that triggered my psychotic symptoms. Here Victor talks about living with his mental illness and how it all started. I started um, having depression in 87. Do you remember how it happened though? Uh, Just family issue. Do you want to go any more into that or not? Uh, It's just um, one of my mum passed away uh, from breast cancer so that's how I started getting depression. And who did you go to for help? Uh, my uncle in Canberra. Because at that time, my dad couldn't cope with me because he, he thought that I was running him up. That's Victor Tran there. He will feature next week along with Cat Carmody. But till then, get J-Man active. Coach out. You've been listening to The J-Pod. Thanks to J-Man Active. Uh, the experience with J-Man and my work is, is we go out and about, enjoy some bite together and have a kick and have a laugh. Oh, it's increased my life then incredibly because it's increased my self-esteem and self-worth and has just made me feel so much better about myself and my illness. If the body is active, the mind will follow. Call 1-800-J-A-E-M-A-N.